Amen, I'm thankful that it reaches deeper than the stain is gone. What a great song. Thank you, Brother Swartz. It's been a long time. I remember as a boy hearing Brother Lester Olaf sing that song. How many of you heard Lester Olaf sing it? You did? Boy, I'm telling you, it was good. When I was a boy, I remember Brother Swartz. Well, actually, <laughs> he was a little boy too. 2 Kings chapter 3, 2 Kings chapter 3, we didn't read all of the story and on purpose I want to finish the story in just a moment, but I want you to look at verse 16 as my text verse this morning and uh, perhaps you'll underline the phrase I have underlined in my Bible where the Bible says in verse 16, and he said, thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. I have that phrase, make this valley full of ditches, Underlined. I want to explain what that means, and I'm going to preach this morning using that title or that phrase for the title of the message, Make This Valley Full of Ditches. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word this morning. Heavenly Father, it is uh, quite amazing to me that you have chosen the simplicity, the foolishness of preaching to magnify you, to magnify your word, to give us what we need. Now, Lord, I am simply a mouthpiece. I am simply a voice. That's all I am. And I want to yield my voice to the Holy Spirit of God. And I pray that you would use me to give the message that is needed in this hour. Lest I pray in Jesus' name, amen. It's the most interesting story. In fact, there's a lot of the story I can't tell you. And I've asked and asked the Lord... Please help me to tell you as much of the story needed to understand. And, of course, uh, time will not permit to tell everything, but it is an Old Testament history story uh, that applies or has a great application for our life. Here's what it is. The land of Moab, they are a heathen people in that they have rejected God. Now, if you looked at the map, you would see the Dead Sea, and at the bottom of the Dead Sea, you would see where Moab was. Now, Moab was a perennial enemy of the people of God for many reasons. It was a land of prosperity. It was a land uh, that uh, was good for raising animals, for raising sheep and goats and cattle. But they hated the people of God, and they not only uh, would steal from them, they would try to conquer uh, their land and take the land of Israel. At the time of this story, Israel is divided into two nations. You have Samaria in the northern part, that's the capital, and then you have the southern part, which is Judah, and that nation divided, and then you have that land of Moab, and Edom is in there in that same area as well. Ahab, the sinful king of Israel, you remember the Bible says, he did more to provoke the God of heaven than any other king. And uh, he and Jezebel really angered God because he took the people of God and rather than them worshiping God, they turned their hearts toward Baal to worship Baal. Now Baal was known as the rain god. He had a lot of droughts, but that was his name anyway. And uh, so Ahab, uh, he dies, and when he dies, his son becomes a king. He is called sometimes Joram, and sometimes he is called Jehoram. It's the same person, Jehoram. Joram is the same person, the son of Ahab. 
because he died, uh, Moab decided it would be a good time for them to take spoil uh, from the people of Israel and even perhaps to take some of their land. So there were three kings that got together in this story to keep the Moabites under control. It was the king of Israel. His name was Jehoram. It was the king of Judah. His name is Jehoshaphat. Once a united nation, now they're divided and they have two kings. The southern part is the spiritual part, just like America today. I'm just kidding about that last part. I'm just kidding about that last part. Uh, so, uh, so the king of Judah, uh, Jehoshaphat, uh, is the king there. And then the unnamed king of Edom, uh, these three come together. Now, get this picture if you can. Jehoram's army left Samaria in the north. And they made a three-day journey down to join Jehoshaphat's army in Judah. Now, if you miss this, you're going to miss the story. So they have a three-day journey for their army to join the army going south to join the army of Jehoshaphat. Those two armies then traveled south four days further uh, to join the army of Edom. So you have three kings and three armies coming together. They have a total of seven days that they have traveled down uh, where they're going to put the Moabites in check and let them know you better stay in your boundaries and not try to come into the land of Israel. Now when they get there and they get ready to let the Moabites know uh, they had a problem. There was no water. There was a major problem. They had no water for drinking. They had no water for their animals. Now their animals in those days were not only beasts of burden, uh, they were their fighting animals. So the horses didn't have water. Uh, the animals didn't have water. The food, uh, the cattle that they were, would eat while there, uh, they didn't have water, so, so they had a major problem. I wish I could say a lot about all this, but I'll just make a few statements. It looks to me like Joram would have called on Ahab's God. He is the rain god Baal because they have no water. But rather than him calling on Baal, and he knew it wouldn't do any good, he blamed the God of heaven. Isn't that something? He blames the God of heaven. He said, he has brought us kings here that will all be killed. That's just the way the world is. Their gods fail, and then they blame the God of heaven for the failure of their gods. What we ought to do is just put our faith in the God of heaven and trust him because he is the supplier. The soldiers are thirsty. Now you can imagine uh, they're becoming irritable. There's problems because there's no water. Jehoshaphat, he does the same thing that he's done before. He said, you know what we ought to do is see if there's a preacher around here. Uh, we need to find out if there is a man of God anywhere that we can ask and see uh, what we ought to do. Uh, Jehoram or Joram, he didn't know any of the Lord's prophets. And it seemed that Jehoshaphat did not know Elisha because when you read the story in verse number 11, there was one of the servants that said, I know a man of God, I know a prophet over here. He used to take care of Elisha. He's a prophet now, or Elijah, and his name is Elisha. So these three kings, three kings, they humble themselves and they need the preacher. It sounds like election time. They need the preacher. It'll be four years before he'll hear from them again, but they need the preacher. And so they go down and they come to Elisha. 
And I wish I had time to really talk about this right here, but let's look at it and we'll just read the scripture, verse 12. Uh, Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Get thee to the prophets of thy father and to the prophets of thy mother. Why didn't you ask Ahab and Jezebel? Why didn't you ask their gods? And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord have called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Uh, Moab. He's blaming God for their troubles. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. He said, If it wasn't for Jehoshaphat and knowing his testimony of faith in the past, I wouldn't even talk to you fellas. I don't care who gets elected. I mean, I don't care if you get your uh, prayers answered or not. Uh, he, he is saying here, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't talk to you. Then he says in verse 15, but now bring me a minstrel. This is an, uh, a musician. And it came to pass when the minstrel played uh, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus, make, thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord. That's interesting. You shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beasts. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. Miracles is what God's able to do on a regular basis. It's a light thing for God. If you need a miracle in your life and you say it's impossible, thank God this morning you have a God of the impossible. He's a God that makes a way. And then he says, he will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. And ye shall smite every fence city and every choice city, and shall fell every good tree, and stop all the wells of water, and, and mar every good piece of land with stones. Now I'll stop reading there, and I'll tell you the rest of the story. So here's what he said. I want you to make the valley full of ditches. You're not going to hear any rain I'm going to send a storm in the mountains. And when that rain comes out of the mountains into the valley, he said, it's all going to wash away unless you fill this valley full of ditches. I want you to dig it. I want you to make it full of ditches, and I'm going to fill those ditches up with water. Now, he said, make the valley. Don't miss the statement. Make this valley full of ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. I want you to catch that water that's coming out of the mountains, and I want to fill this valley with ditches. Now, here's what happened. When the Moabites saw, when the Moabites saw that field that was full of ditches and water, it was in the morning time, and when God had them, when they looked at it, God had them to see it as red as blood. And here's what they said. These three kings that came down to kill us, they've gotten a fight with one another. And they fought one another. Their blood is flowing in the ditches. We will go and take the spoil. And so they do. Moabites just go out there to pick up whatever they can pick up, but they find out the kings had not been in battle. God had brought them. Don't mess with God. Don't make bargains with God. Don't, don't, don't you mess with God because God is able to make the sun stand still. 
He's the one that put it there to start with. God is the one that's in control. And when they saw those ditches full of water and they appeared to be blood, when they came out, then those three armies, they chased them, they overtook them, and they did exactly as God said they would. I want you to hear the purpose of the message. Every victory in life is a matter of us having faith in God and obedience to God. Now, if they didn't make that valley full of ditches and the rain came down, it would just run across the plain and would be gone. But he said, you make it full of ditches. Now imagine, they have all these soldiers out here. They're not getting their weapons ready. They're not using their weapons. They are digging ditches. Sometimes people miss the blessings of God because work is beneath them. Did I connect this morning? Work is beneath them. And prayer and faith is something for the weak of heart and for the sissy. And so they miss the blessings of God. But he said, I want you to make, he didn't say dig a ditch. He said, I want you to fill this valley with ditches. I want you to dig. And they did. And when they did, God blessed them with a great victory. Now that reminds me of what happens on the Nile River and has happened through the centuries of time as the Egyptians have lived along the Nile River. Now, it is typically a dry place there, and there's little rain, but they have a monsoon season. All of their rain comes at one time. Most of the population, they live close to that river. The land further away is barren most of the time with little precipitation. In preparation for the flooding of the Nile River, and this has been going on for centuries, the people will dig canals and they will dig basins so when the Nile River floods, it will bring that water in those canals or ditches, if you will, and they will fill those basins. And every year when the Nile River floods, that water comes in as far as they have dug those canals and that water is used there for their planting and for their vegetation and for the raising of their food. They've been doing that for centuries. In fact, they will oftentimes, when the water begins to recede, they will work as fast as they can to build dams to keep the water inside as long as they can. And that's how the Egyptians have survived as they have along the Nile River. That's exactly the picture right here. Now here's what I want you to see. God is a God of blessing. God is a God that loves to bless his children. Did you see this morning the sun rose just like it did the first day? He put it in the sky. Did you see this week as the hints of springtime and the birds were singing, spring is coming, and the, and, and, and the geese were starting to head back to the north. Isn't it amazing how God's put all this together? What a shame it is for a child of God not to praise the God of heaven for his goodness. And not only not to praise him, but not serve him with our lives. He is a good God. He is a mighty God. And he often floods us with blessings. But the truth is, the average Christian, they don't have any ditches dug in their life. So when the blessings come, they just run off. I want to tell you how to dig some ditches in your life so that when the blessings of life comes, when the blessings of God comes, you'll be able to soak in and keep those blessings in your life. 
You ought to make this valley full of ditches. I think of what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 44 and verse number 3. For I'll pour water on him that's thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. Oftentimes I fear that America has missed an opportunity for revival because God has poured out his spirit. But folks have not been digging spiritual ditches. They've been involved in the foolishness and the sinfulness. I'm preaching at you this morning. Uh, They're involved in the foolishness of the world rather than living in a, a spiritual life, digging ditches that the blessings of God can bless and prosper their life. Deuteronomy chapter 28, the Bible says, And it came to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that God desires to bless his children and God's children ought to be prepared and ready for God's blessings to come. Now, how do we dig these ditches? Well, first of all, you can go to church and you're here so everybody can say amen right now on point number one. Enjoy it while we can, amen? So church attendance, you know what that is? That's digging ditches expecting the blessings of God. I enjoyed seeing you folks this morning. I'm glad you're here. I love you. You're my family. I enjoy our fellowship. I've enjoyed reading uh, the blessings and answer to prayers and, the, and, and all of the victories that we enjoyed. I've enjoyed and I've prayed through a, a long prayer list this morning, praying for our people and our friends of our church, and, 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 and I enjoy that. But I'm here this morning expecting God to bless, and you being in church, you're digging a ditch. So when the blessings of God comes, and I pray you've dug a ditch deep enough, that the blessings of the word of God and the blessings of the preaching of God's word this morning will help you through the week and you've dug a ditch deep enough that you can enjoy and you can survive through the week for another Sunday to get your ditches full of the blessings of God. Hebrews 10.25 tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but he says this, but so much more as you see the day approaching. Jesus is coming soon. It's not time to have less church. It's time to have more church. We need to dig ditches that God can fill with spiritual blessings in our life, being faithful to church. By the way, you can, di- uh, you can dig your ditch a little deeper when you come on Sunday night. You can dig your ditch a little further when you come on Wednesday night. Amen. Preacher, that's good preaching. You can dig your ditch a little deeper. And every time you pick up this blessed word of God and you begin to read what you're doing, you're digging a ditch for the Spirit of God to fill with the truths of God's word and the blessings and the joy of the Lord. God can fill us and he wants to fill us. It's interesting. Every time they had a problem, they would ask what to do. And it was always a work assignment. I've quoted Dr. Jorgensen often as he counsels college students and he's often said, every time I pray for money, God gives me a job. Sometimes we just pray for money. And we wonder why a job showed up. That's how God blesses, through obedience and faith. Ditches are dug by faith and obedience to God. A man said to a friend of mine, a good Christian man, worked hard all of his life, a wealthy man and given so much to the work of God, they said, you're just lucky, that's all. He said, yeah, he said, the harder I work, it seems like the luckier I get. 
work, faith, and obedience. Let me give you another one. Every time I get on my knees before God in prayer, I'm digging ditches for God to fill. Every time you pray, you can expect God to hear your prayer. You may not get exactly and when you ask for, but friend, when you and I spend time with God, first of all, it helps our relationship with God. When we spend time with God, it's a cleansing time when I stand in the presence of the Lord. But when I come to the time of prayer, that is digging a ditch that only God can fill. And when the blessings come, you're excited that God has answered prayers. I've been excited to walk through the new building this morning. I can't wait for us to be there Wednesday night. I can't wait for us to be there next Sunday morning. All of it is an answer to prayer. Prayer, faith, and obedience. Young people was telling me this morning before church, grades one through six, they've been working the last several weeks to raise $1,000 in their Sunday school classes because they want to put their name on a finisher's brick, grades one through six. Now they put money in the church. In fact, I saw some of you giving them money, and I saw some of them look like they was reaching in your pockets as they were coming down here this morning. But that's how, that's how God works. He works through faith and obedience and work. I'm thankful for our young people, and we have to raise another generation of young people to have faith in the promises of God and obedience to the commands of When I was a teenage boy, of course, my dad was my pastor. My dad went to heaven in 1985 at the age of 40. I don't know how many times I've come into the church on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday evening and heard either singing or crying and found my dad on his face behind the pulpit on Saturday saying, Oh, God, I pray that you'd help me as I preach tomorrow. Oh, God, fill me with your spirit. Oh, God, help me as I preach. I've watched him. I've listened to him. I've prayed with him. You know what he was doing? He was digging ditches so when the rain began to fall in the mountains and it started coming down through the valleys, he would have something to catch those blessings in. Prayer is digging those ditches. I remember hearing my grandmother pray. I remember seeing her at her knees at her chair in the living room. And I'm not talking about in the afternoon. I'm talking about in the wee hours of the morning. And in those days, in those years, having boys that had not yet come to know Christ as Savior, having family not saved and hearing her cry and pray. You know what she was doing? She was digging ditches so that when the rain fell in the mountains and it came down through the valley, she'd have something to catch her blessings in. The last son that hadn't trusted Christ as Savior got saved at our church in the 90s, had the privilege to baptize him. And I thank God the day that he got saved and the day that he got baptized, I thank God for her prayers. Every time you pray, you're digging ditches for the blessings of God. When we give, you know God is not a debtor to any man. God's not a debtor. When we give of our tithes and give of our offering, I hate that you might have wasted all your amens on point number one or spent them all, not wasted, but spent them all. But when we give, you know what God does? God blesses a cheerful giver. 
I say that jokingly because we often laugh about giving. I don't know of a more giving, faithful, benevolent, tithing church in the country. And, and, and we're not wealthy. We can't. We keep building buildings. But, uh, uh, but, but, but you're a faithful giver. And I want to tell you something. When we give and give to God, God blesses our giving. Let, let me show you this verse in Malachi chapter 3. It's, it's, it's the last book of the Old Testament. Let, let me show you this. You say, this is the Old Testament. Preachers show is the creation in Genesis chapter 1. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10. I, I, I like this. The Bible says, we'll, we'll just look at verse number 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And, and I love this line. I have it underlined in my Bible. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not, look at it, open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And many of us sit here today not only able to care for our families, but because of our faithfulness and tithe and offering, we're able to help others in need. We've helped towns and cities and people that have suffered from floods and tornadoes. We've had extra to give. You know why? Because God blesses and God loves a cheerful giver. And every time we give, we have the opportunity to dig a ditch and catch the blessings of God. By the way, every time you witness to someone, you're digging a ditch that God can fill with his blessing. I've told this story before. I shook hands with Brother Ayala this morning. It reminded me of he and his wife and son and, and daughter-in-law there this morning. Brother Ayala, uh, he's from Puerto Rico. And when he was a boy, uh, there was a lady uh, that would come to the area where he lived and they didn't have a van or a bus. And they, they would just walk to Sunday school and she would gather them up and walk with them couple of times he didn't get to go because he was a bad walker. He was mean. He mistreated other kids. He's got, he's got over it since. He tells me, he said, God's forgotten it. Preacher, you should forget that part of it. But anyway, he came. He served in the United States Army. He came to America. Sister Harris, working on her bus route years ago, had her, their two sons, uh, Rolando and Shirley's two sons, come to church. And they came to church on the bus and they got saved. And then he and his wife got saved in our church. This was in the 90s. When I, I said one Sunday night, I said, folks, we've got to start a Spanish church. We've got so many Spanish-speaking people in our town that, that can't speak English. We have to reach them. I'll never forget. When he walked down the aisle, he said, I, I'm not a preacher, but I can, I can win people to Christ and I can teach if you'll give me lessons to teach. And he started our Spanish department. You know, last Sunday in our Spanish department, we had 130 Spanish in our Spanish church last Sunday. We had folks saved and baptized. You know what that lady was doing in, in Puerto Rico? And you know what Sister Harris was doing in Brother Tyra? When they gave them the gospel and led them to Christ, they were digging ditches. So when the blessings of God came out of the mountains, they gathered in the ditches. And many have come to know Christ because of his soul winning work and others. And I can tell that story again and again. The bus ministry is digging ditches of reaching people with the gospel that's a blessing to a multitude of others. I say this morning, make the valley full of ditches. I'll say this in closing. I want you to notice. He said, make this valley full of ditches. 
Are you going through a tough time in your life? Are you going through a valley of life? It's not a time to complain like Jehoram did. It's, it's not a time to fuss and blame God. You know what it's time to do? It's time to dig ditches. Just be faithful to God through the tough times. The blessings are going to come in the mountains and they're going to flow through the valleys. You want to have something to catch the blessings of God in when they come. Stand with me if you will. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here this morning, you never trusted Christ as your Savior. You ought to trust Him as your Savior this morning. You ought to trust Christ as your Savior this morning. If you're here this morning as a Christian, you desire the blessings of God. You ought to decide this morning, I want to dig more ditches in my life that God can fill with His blessings. He's a mighty good God. There's enough rain for every valley. There's enough rain for every Christian. There's enough of God's blessings for all to be blessed. Let's make those valleys fill the ditches. Heavenly Father, bless our invitation. Oh, how I pray that the truth of God's word has been understood to the place we can not just hear it, but we can do it as we leave this place this morning. Bless, Lord, with decisions that should be made. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.